Hey everybody, we have awesome guests for you today. We had Ron Iacovetti and Lourdes Gonzalez. They are paranormal investigators all over the East Coast. Uh, they have awesome equipment and they give us a breakdown of the different equipment they use in the episode. You can check out their weekly podcast, Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence on YouTube. Ron also had a book that came out called Paranormally Speaking, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. They were super interesting, super knowledgeable, and just super nice people. So it was like a very charming and fun episode. And at the end, we actually did a tiny little spirit box session right over Zoom. I loved it. I had so much fun. So at the end of the episode, we're actually going to play some of the clips for you that we got from that little tiny spirit box session. And I think you're going to love it. So enjoy the episode. Real chills with Meg Getz. Real scary. Real silly. Real stories. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Chills. Meg here today with Ron Iacovetti and Lourdes Gonzalez. Hello, thank you for being on the cast today. Hi. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for having us. We're yes, absolutely. looking forward to this. This is very cool. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited you both could do this. Um, so we always start off uh, with a big question right up front for our guests. And it's where do your beliefs land in when it comes to the paranormal? Are you both skeptics or do you consider yourselves true believers just in on everything? You want me to go? <laughs> you want I to go would first? Say, I would say that we're both in the middle. Hmm, okay. okay. I think that, I mean, well, maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Yeah, not, on that. <laughs> not on this one specifically, because I have, a, I have a specific perspective on that. And I think it's, I think it's unique because I've never really hear, heard people speaking to it this way. It's always kind of framed the same way. And I think that's one of the things the field needs to change is in order to have the most honest profile publicly for people who do this and who don't. We need to use the right and accurate terminology for how we label things, how we describe things, and what things are. So I have, a, I think, a unique take on that whole which one are you thing um, that you may or may not have heard before. But Which you, one are you? <laughs> I would say, I would say <laughs> neither. I would say I'm, I always, I'm an investigator. He's in the middle. I'm an investigator. That's the way I describe it. In the middle is like we're not one or the other. You need both. Okay. You need both to be a good investigator. That's what I think. Skepticism is a tool and discernment is a tool and you should absolutely have those. Where I see this this kind of thing a little bit differently is that there's a a characterization of the skeptic is the person who doesn't buy into this stuff and they're going to debunk it and it's all a bunch of bull. And then the believer is like, oh, my God, everything that ever makes a noise is a ghost. You have to come and see it. And the thing is, is that a skeptic, by definition, a person who's an actual skeptic, they're looking for the truth. They don't just buy it and go, oh, it is paranormal. And they mm-hmm. don't just say nothing is paranormal and they're against it. But the people who are within and around the paranormal field who call themselves skeptics most often are the type of people who go, None of this stuff is real. I will show you this is why it's fake and this is you're hearing things wrong and you're playing tricks on yourself. Right. But by definition, a skeptic looks for absolution in the truth. 
So if you think everything isn't paranormal, you're not a skeptic. You're a believer. But you're a believer in a different paradigm. And it conflicts with the one who (laughs) says everything's paranormal. Right. The other term, skeptic, goes to the person who doubts all of it. And societally and sociologically, the the term skeptic has a more educated, well-to-do, well-spoken connotation to it. So the people who are like, oh, me and science, we're together on this, and it's none of this is real. And and those people call themselves skeptics, but they're not. They can say they're cynical or cynics, but a skeptic looks for the truth. So if you think it's not real or none of it is, then that's not what you are. You're a believer. So then with that being said, all right, what are you? I'm an investigator. Ah, okay. You're in the middle. Lorna's called it. Thank <laughs> you. It's you're the middle. You're in the middle, but I see um, what you're saying. You're more like a scientific believer. You, you are open to the fact that there's things that we don't know, and you're working to make skeptics believers, really, by, by finding actual things that people can look at or, you know, theories or, or different ways to, to make it accepted, accepted by common, like, yeah. whatever, people who yeah. turn up their nose to this stuff normally. We're trying, to, we're trying to build a more compelling case for what's really at its best uh, a preponderance of evidence. I don't think it ever gets to the point when everybody in the planet's holding hands, singing kumbaya, ghost sure. stories. <laughs> I don't think it gets to that point. I'd love that, though, honestly. That sounds that would be awesome. really fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and convincing the people who don't believe, convincing the cynics who call themselves skeptics, that you lose that that to-do list box gets checked off as, forget it, early on if you do paranormal stuff because you realize that for a lot of people, either they have a vested interest. There are some people in the paranormal who they're like the, the bad guy in wrestling. They're like, you. Right. That's their role. So they're right. not going to buy into it no matter what. If Bigfoot handed them their car keys, they wouldn't believe in him. Because they can't. And then there's yeah. other people. Who well, they just, won't. Right. They won't. And there's other people who it's like it's a core belief thing because it has to do with spirituality and it has to do with things that are inexplicable. Um, it has so, to do with their childhood and religion right. so and blah, blah, blah. So they'll, those people will, will reject it because it's a core belief. It's like trying to change somebody's favorite sports team or religion or political affiliation. It's, it's a deep-seated right. belief. And so many people who have those deep-seated beliefs – You'll say, oh, I, I don't, you talk, please don't tell me you believe in ghosts. So, you know, uh, you, you can't believe in that <laughs> stuff. I go, you don't? They go, no, no, no. So none of it's real. How many experiments have you done? None. Uh, how, how much equipment have you yeah. run? In you? None. Then why are we talking? Yeah. And even those people are like, I don't believe in that stuff. But one time. Yeah, right, yeah. those are my favorite people. They, <laughs> there's always that one story they just kind of can't let go. Yeah, yeah no, that's, it's that's true. That's funny because people <laughs> tell us that. They go, ah. Oh, I don't believe in it. So this one time, this apparition handed me my towel when I got out of the shower. I thought, what? No. Burgers on the weekend and call yourself a vegan. It's, you know, it's. Yeah. No. That's so great. That's so funny. And that actually is a great like segue to how did both of you get interested in the paranormal? Was it like a childhood thing or was it later? Yes and no. Okay. For me, uh, since I was a kid, I was always fascinated with stuff that was anything to do with supernatural or monsters and, you know, all that kind of mystical stuff. I got into it when I was, I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years. I'm originally from New Jersey, where we are now. And I got, um, I got interested in it when I lived out there. And then I started doing public paranormal events. And then I got 
the broader teams. And then eventually, flash forward, now it's a little over 10 years, uh, I moved into an area of specificity, which is audio evidence, which is either EVP or what's called ITC, instrumental transmutation, um, because of the type of evidence you get is what you call a PPO. It's a permanent paranormal object. You can keep re-examining it over and over and over and over and over again. If you go somewhere and you get touched or scratched or that happens, I believe people have these experiences, but you can't re-examine the experience once it's done. So that's kind of how I got started. Then when I moved back here uh, to the East Coast was 2014, just about two years later is when we met and then she got into it because she has the other type of background that you mentioned. The childhood <laughs> background. My family practices Espiritista. So I grew up with it. And um, at a very young age, I saw something that was very traumatic. So I never really got into the paranormal, but I was always interested because that event was a big deal for me. But I didn't really touch it too much. And then I met Ron and then he's paranormal investigator and then we went on investigations we started getting you know I start well he was already getting but I started hearing my first EVP and stuff like that I'm like oh my god I was so like that I was like you know what I'm into this and then it helped me it did help me kind of deal with whatever you know happened to me as a young age it helped me kind of understand it a little better so yeah oh that's great that it kind of helps you know make that, mm -hmm. you know, experience a little bit more, you know, better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, well, to understand it better, yeah, you know? Yeah, to understand it. Yeah. So is your whole family super, not superstitious, but believing in the paranormal? You know, it's funny because my family is Catholic. Okay, so you yeah. when you're a paranormal investigator and you're Catholic or any other kind of religion, they kind of frown on that. But um, yeah. What was the question? Because I forgot it. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Are they like believers in the paranormal as well? Okay. I mean, they're Catholic, so. So this is where it's funny because usually, like I said, people frown on it. But my family being Catholic did not. And they practice channeling. So that's what oh, they did. interesting. Okay. Channeling. So, yeah. So my family just worries about me, you know, sure. and stuff like that. They worry about yeah. me, but. Yeah, so that's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, are, there are religious minded folks who think that anything spiritual that you connect with or contact with is dark, demonic, negative, not to do it. That's never been proven. I wouldn't say that there's nothing negative to it or that you can't connect with or encounter a negative experience. But I, I feel like almost that's like an ism, like, you know, like to say all all the type of people who are of this background are bad, like, you know, racism or, or sexism or in. To say that everything spiritual that you could possibly connect with is bad, I think is, is you know, paranormalism. I don't know what, they, I made up a word maybe, but you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's what is interesting about, about my family, I think, because it, it's so weird that they are Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but yet they were, they were doing that. So I don't right. know if that's like, I, I need to ask more questions to my mom, but, but that's, um, I don't know. It's just weird because most of the time people will frown at it and my family doesn't. And so all, all they do is just worry about me about, you know, contacting something that's not so good. Right. Yeah. yeah I like, understand. Like, like MasterCard yeah. or Visa. <laughs> They're not good. Nobody cares if we contact them. <laughs> that's what I find so weird about it, though. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I, you know, when I grew up as it as 
it being a normal thing. Right. And then when that happened, I realized, oh, well, this is not that normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes okay. when you take something out of the box that people know it in, it becomes different. You know, like if you take a donut out of a box of 12 and put it into a single box, it's still a donut. Right. But sometimes when you take something out of the box, the parameters that people are familiar with it with, it's not the same anymore. So the channeling and the Espiritista thing is was legit to them. They accepted it. What she's doing to investigate, gather evidence, going out, trying to connect and communicate at different places, that's looking for trouble or, or you're not, oh, that's not what we do. I think that yeah. sometimes is what throws people off. They're They're comfortable with an aspect of it and that's in their wheelhouse and that's it. Wow. Yeah. I grew up in a really Catholic household and also a haunted house and had the same oh, wow. issues where my mom would be like, they're not real. But then she would say something, you know, classic. And I'm like, all right, Bob, whatever. But like, I was talking to Ryan Singer about this because the Catholic faith, like, I don't know disrespect to it, but there is a lot of contradictory things. Like they, you know, we believe in demons, not ghosts, but then we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy right. Spirit, a ghost, <laughs> which I mean, up for debate, but to me, a ghost. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of like mental gymnastics that you have to do sort of. I have the same thing with my mom where I'm like, all right, mom, you, I think, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm like, I think you know that it's not what you think it is, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I'm, is there anything you do when you're investigating to make sure that it's a safe investigation so that you're not you know, channeling or summoning things that you don't want in that space, just talking to the ones that are there instead. You know, that's so funny because that is a fear that I have because the Espiritista thing is a generational thing. Mm -hmm. So what happened, okay, what happened happened to my mom and it happened accidentally. So that is a fear that I have right. when I investigate because it is a generational thing. And then I'm always afraid that something that happened to my mom could happen to me. Right. I'll speak to that from, from two different angles. One, some people will have pendants, necklaces, bracelets, sure. whatever, medallions. They'll have things that, that stones, crystals that are supposed to be protective. And I've always believed, and this is just a belief, it's not something I can prove, that the intent you put behind it, if you actually believe it, that, that that's where it would get mm -hmm. power and can help you by the same token. And we do uh, spirit communication with, you know, EVP recording voices out of the air. We do uh, what's called uh, ITC, which is instrumental transcommunication using a third party non-manipulated device, um, which for us is radio. And we do a specific type of that, which I'll, I can talk about in a little bit. But um, and so one of the things that I profess when I speak about this stuff all the time is that we don't control and this isn't any kind of spirit interaction. We don't control at least 50% of the equation. Sure. So we can do so much to be grounded and protect yourself. You want to be in a good state of mind, mentally, emotionally, when you go to, to do investigations or when you do spirit interactions, whatever, you should definitely be in a good place. The energy attracts like energy thing is, is very possibly something that could, let's say, backfire on you. Right. But we don't control the other side. So we can't make them jump through hoops and talk to us if they want if they don't want to, technically, we don't know how they do it. So if they want to, they still can't because there's conditions environmentally or, or uh, procedurally that, that aren't in place at the moment. We don't know. So I think it's, it's a limited 
category of, you know, right. you can only do so much to the best of your ability to protect yourself or to be grounded and everything. But I mean, I think like we've never done like a protection prayer. Well, maybe we have once or twice or whatever, because the people that we were investigating with do it. But um, I've never felt the need to do it because I feel like if you go into an investigation in a good place mm-hmm. and know yourself and are is strong, you're strong. I don't know. I just never really. I love my crystals. So yeah. I have crystals. Absolutely, so I have my crystals. <laughs> but honestly, I don't even have them for protection. Even though some of them are for protection, it's just because I just love them. Right. But I think it when we go in, if you're in a good state of mind, and if it's po- and you're positive and and just, I don't know. I just we never really did. Uh, Protect like on our own, right? Protection. We don't really yeah. go in and protect not so much. Ourselves. I did more of it when I started out in California before I before I knew you. Adam Nodler of of SIU, a supernatural investigation unit. He would do cleansing things at the end. He would do he'd sage mm-hmm. everybody down. Before I do they sage left. though. I do sage okay. a lot. <laughs> sure, that's something. Yeah, but I, I don't know. And the other part, I of think, that- it's just if if within you, if 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 you're in a good place. Go investigate. That's that's like you know what I mean. That's that's the way I see it. The other part of it too is we can't we can't ascribe materialist ideas to spiritual entities. Like if you go to sure. a location, you may there may be a spirit that's named Henry who comes through to people. We can never prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's Henry unless there's something maybe informationally that you you attain right. and you can, you can check fact check it whatever, but. You could have spirits that are transient. People will say that, you know, the realm of spirit, astral, uh, ethereal, that they're not bound by space-time how we have it. And and that's been shown even in our world with, with quantum physics where there's a non-local correlative entanglement where, you, <clears throat> where two particles, let's say, can be in communication regardless of distance across right. universes with no signal being emitted at all. So there's so many unknowns with all of this you don't know if you're interacting with something let's say there's 10 people at an investigation maybe one of them came with one of the people maybe right. something she's transient at the time you were there they were able to see there was communication however they detect it and then they came through the one of the big things that we've started to talk about that when we got heavy into doing audio evidence capture is that getting anomalous voices, EVP, ITC, or otherwise, um, isn't enough to classify or deem a location haunted because we okay. can get them everywhere. And we have. Wow. Anywhere um, and everywhere. Yeah. So okay. to to say that the location is haunted because you got EVPs and stuff, not necessarily so. If you get other stuff and then you have corroboration of evidence from multiple things or consistent activity has been logged there, then you have an aggregation of data that speaks to the locations haunted because this stuff is ongoing, been documented by X group, X group, X group, week after week. Then you have more of a case built, but just for on the the capture of vocals alone, let's say, it's not enough. That is such an interesting premise that like, because, you know, the, the number one rule is like a place is haunted or, a you know, a thing is haunted. So the idea that like it's, you know, space doesn't work like that, you know, it could be anywhere. 
is kind of really exciting to me, but also really scary. <laughs> but I also agree with you about your energy because I, again, I've talked about this a lot on my podcast. So sorry, listeners, you're going to have to hear this again, but <laughs> the house, the haunted house that I grew up in, I never felt our end. It was a very symbiotic the interactions were all very almost like sweet and nice. So that's why, you know, I don't feel like I need to like shake ghosts up or be aggressive, you know, like right. the energy, it's exactly like what you said. And I think we have more control than we realize when it comes to interacting with these, these energies, you know, like we're able to put up walls or defense for things that we don't want in our, our space. So yeah, I just, I find all of that super interesting and I'm definitely going to be thinking about that forever, just like ghosts everywhere, which is exciting. And, um, it leads really good to, um, if someone wanted to start out as a paranormal investigator, what is like some advice that you would give that person? Don't buy everything you see right away. (laughs) Don't go off buying $2,000 equipment (laughs) and not know how to use it. Yeah, that happens. You know, start off slow. You know what I mean? Start off with a recorder, do your EVPs, and you buy yourself an SB711, maybe a ghost box. Just start slow and build a connection. Yeah. That's what I see. And how do you find the places? Do you like, because I feel like the number one rule is don't investigate where you live, right? So... Is that a bad rule? I don't know. That's my rule. No, it's not a bad rule. We don't (laughs) investigate where we live, but we do do direct radio voice sessions, which is more of like a research thing. But some people may consider that as like investigating, but you know. Yeah, it's different. Like investing, we go to an investigation, we'll, you know, we do, we'll do the EMF detectors and recorders and boxes and, and, you know, laser grids and, and whatever else. But we have gotten so specific with audio capture that most of what we bring is based on that it's either the the sweeping ghost boxes or and i'll I'll explain what it is in in a minute the direct radio voice stuff that we do when i got interested in direct radio voice and then i brought it to her attention uh it's an older communication method using radios that predates the spirit box people know from tv or the ghost boxes spirit boxes are the sb7 and the 11 if it's made by a builder who makes boxes it's a ghost box they don't okay. like calling them spirit boxes because that's what the SB7 and 11 that first came out go by the name of. So this method we do, direct radio voices, before that. This is from early European research where they were doing EVP and they would use a white noise frequency that was empty, completely barren of radio emissions as audio support because you're talking or communicating with energies or entities who don't have a larynx and vocal cords. They can't make a mechanical wave. So... The white noise would be support audio support to make whatever, if it's consciousness, thought forms, make it uh, audible so we'd be able to hear it or capture it at least on a device. And then it transitioned into the vocals started coming through modulated through the radio. And then flash forward when it went to like Frank Sumption in the Frank's box and there was a software called EVP Maker. Uh, Stefan Bayan, I believe, was the guy who made it. And it was using the radios that sweep. The idea is it's fragmented sound and it's randomized because if it's sweeping through radio, broadcasts are never the same second to second. And then you have sounds that are audible, fragmented, that they can make words out of that aren't in the stream because you're sweeping. So what we do is just empty white noise. It's before any of that. And there's a purity to that, like EVP, when you get something just out of thin air. And so the communication became more specific to us. And to do that type of research, which in Europe, it was 
done his research. They weren't going to haunted locations. They were doing spirit communication because they some of them captured uh, vocals out. The one guy was Frieda Jurgensen was making a documentary about birds. He's recording bird songs with a real real recorder, and he got his father's voice saying stuff to him. Wow! And then so he pretty much scrapped the whole documentary documentarian thing and sure. um, and went into doing full on EVP research. So that's what we got into. And so when we started doing direct radio voice, the people who did it there did a sitting weekly or a couple times a week, whatever, like an appointment, the same time, the same day, give or take, to connect with spirit so that there's a reliability to the contact. So we started doing that. We went two and a half years without missing a week, at least once. Wow. Holidays or whatever. Um, so as she put it, perfectly it's research-based so we can't do that and like rent a space and you mean so we're not investigating the house but we're doing communication from here in our little studio space we do because it's part of the research we do and we've been doing it for so long and since you get voices everywhere why not (laughs) yeah Yeah. definitely so you kind of touched upon but what would you say are the main differences between like itc and evps other than the one that I think I caught was that EVPs doesn't have any background like white noise for them to to utilize or the spirits to utilize. You can use them. That's where the direct radio voice came from is that they, um, the early European EVP researchers were using white noise for, for support, for audio support to make the vocals audible. But the vocals were still coming out of the air, disembodied. They weren't coming out of the device that transitioned in process as it continued by definition, a lot of people who do what we do would say that EVP is the uh, subcategory of ITC because you're using an instrument even if it's just a digital recorder. For the most part, and it's a third-party device that's not manipulated by the individual. For the most part, I agree. The only difference to me is, is that the gentleman in Germany who was a physicist named Dr. Ernst Sienkowski in the 90s, he came up with the term instrumental transcommunication or TCI, transcommunication instrumental, uh, in Europe after EVP had already been around. And he did it because he felt like there was a difference between capturing the vocals on a recorder, let's say, whether it's a magnetic wire, a real a real cassette, or whatever. The difference between capturing it out of the air and using an electronic device to facilitate it like a digital or an electronic medium. Sure. And have, like, have you found that with the ITC, the responses are more like rational or they're answering your questions more than say an EVP where it's just kind of randomly picking up noises and, and words. Well, with the EVP, the, the answers are limited. So with direct sure. radio voice, we seem to get bigger, longer responses. That's so cool. <laughs> right. And we don't we don't know for sure. I mean, it, it, when you do EVP or ITC stuff, when you record any anomalous vocal, the way we would govern whether or not it's actually paranormal or if you're capturing something that's, you know, environmental or whatever, is timing and relevance is a big part of it. Even in EVP, we did an EVP in Gettysburg one time in the middle of the field, nobody around. I said, if you're in the military, you know, and you can talk to us, what was your rank? And then we get an immediate whisper seconds later and said, Captain. Whoa. So that's timing and answered my question and completely relevant because it answered my question. Which is one of my favorite ones because I was still fairly new. And I know that it was just me and Ron in that barn. No one else. 
And he asked a question. And I know none of us, me and him, did not say a word and stayed still because we're waiting for that answer. And there was a freaking response and it was Captain. How do you explain that? It's crazy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> That's EVP, so awesome. if, if it's a legit EVP, it's not nonsensical. It is, it is a response and it's answering your question. What we find with doing direct radio voice and the empty white noise frequency running is that the the brevity of, of messages, even not just with EVP, even with the ghost boxes that sweep, the, the brevity of the messages seem to be more consistent where you get shorter, um, almost like truncated poetic speech where you have a complete thought, but it's not necessarily like it wouldn't be like, you know, the river is down the road by the end of the street. It would say the river at the end. Of this, it would be a shorter version of it, um, almost like I said, almost like a poetic phrasing, shorthanded, a little bit like a shorthand speech. Um, we found that when we started doing direct radio voice, as it developed, and we built connection and started doing it more, that we were getting longer, real time responses where we were actually getting phrases and stuff, and not just a couple of words. And and we have ghost boxes. I love them. I have the spirit boxes too. We love them. We use them. But real-time dialogue, like we're talking now, that's the brass ring. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that the European people who were doing this before us with vacuum tube radios, a gentleman in Italy named Marcello Bacci does a documentary on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, called Calling Earth. Highly recommend it. He was getting conversations like you and I are talking right now through an old vacuum tube radio. Now, the pre-transistor, <laughs> that's how they worked. Yeah. And he was getting that. So this is not even, it's not even technology driven because of the tech he was using is older than what we have now. Right. But he was doing direct radio voice through a vacuum tube radio and having real-time conversations like we're having. He was investigated to the nines. They checked his devices. Sure. <laughs> they made him work with the radio open and exposed. They blocked mm -hmm. radio signals, you name it. He jumped through every hoop. Um, and when Ron says real, like, it's not just a couple. He was having actual real-time communication, like back and forth, real-time communication. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite line? He hasn't seen that in any. Oh, I haven't seen that on any ghost hunting show or any collection I was wondering because I've never heard of it. Like, I no. feel like. Yeah. By this time, I should be on the up with this stuff, but that's, no, yeah. Well, don't, don't feel bad because here's, there's people doing paranormal stuff longer than us. We have friends doing it 20, 30 years. There are people. Here's the thing. Um, I sound like Monk. I know. Here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. We watch Monk on, uh, on, on TV. We used to be in USA. In our country, we have two things that are prominent. Instant gratification, which you get a little more of with a ghost box or a spirit box. Sure. And, yeah. and we come to know and embrace what we see and what is presented to us through t TV and media. So mm -hmm. paranormal stuff used to be taboo. You couldn't find it anywhere on TV or very few shows that were on very s seldom where you could get any of that stuff. Right. Now there's so many shows and what people know from TV is the spirit box, the SB 11, the SB seven. Ghost adventures. <laughs> yes. I started watching that too. Yeah. I started watching that too. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I found was that there were people, even people who, who have a, a propensity or, or an affinity for ITC like what we do, and nobody knew direct radio voice. There's a few people who have played with it. I know that have done some stuff with it, but nobody really like did it as, a, as an art or as a discipline right. to do it week after week after week. 
And so I come across this book by a lady named Dr. Annabelle Cordoso, who I still talk to. She inspired and mentored me into this stuff. She actually wrote the about the author for my, my first book that's going to be coming out um, this year. And I saw what she was doing, and I saw these real-time conversations this guy Marcello Bacci was having. There's another couple in Luxembourg called uh, Maggie and Jules Hard Fishback, the Fishback, Hard Fishback couple. They had unbelievable stuff through unnetworked computers, fax <laughs> machines, landline wow. telephones that were tracked for inbound and outbound calls were getting anomalous phone calls that they had no source that they could find. And when I saw what they were getting, and I looked at the especially direct radio voice, and I was like, and I loved, I started out as a spirit box SB7. I was walking around with this little thing going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And I love it. I still think awesome. it's great. But when I saw what these people were getting, and then I found out that that predates any spirit box, I couldn't believe with the it's results so they weird. got and the hoops he had to jump through to prove that he wasn't de- debunkable, that he wasn't faking anything. I couldn't believe that nobody was doing this. And that's what I said to her. I said, listen, I found something. I want us to dive into this because this is unbelievable. And then I showed it to her and she was like, wow. And then we started doing it. And the first time we got a voice that answered us directly out of this big boombox world band radio I have, she hugged the radio in ways that made me <laughs> jealous. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, that was going to be my first question. I'm thinking that maybe the reason spirit boxes took off was because they're portable. They're easy. They're easy to interpret. And I was wondering if maybe this way of investigating maybe is, is the equipment like larger and harder no, to navigate? Not no? necessarily. No, actually, I'll show, I know people can't see now, but you can you can speak to it. So we but just quickly, it's just it's just that this is not harder to use is just harder to review that's what okay yeah so yeah this is actually i would say that it's it's more challenging listening to to spirit box or ghost box stuff because you're cycling through fragmented sound and so the reason in europe that they stuck with direct radio voice and they didn't get into the ghost box stuff as much is because they're doing conferences and symposiums with scientists on both sides of the fence. This is good. It's not good. Whatever. Trying to raise funding for research. And even though they won't say ghost boxes don't work, because they do work, mm-hmm. they don't like the fact that for the cynic and the people who don't buy into it, that the low-hanging fruit is you're looking for vocals, right? That's sure. the brass ring. But you're using human vocals. So they right. think you're yeah. hearing things wrong. You're, it's called pareidolia. Your mind's completing the puzzle, you're hearing what you want to hear, yada, yada, yada. Um, even though that as a blanket statement does not nearly cover any of the evidence really that's out there or, or a very small percentage. So I think ghost box, spirit box stuff is harder to listen to. You have to learn how to listen through and around the noise. Right, yeah. Direct radio voice is just the white noise radio emissions. There's nothing there. So when you hear the cadence of speech, that's the attention getter. Sure. The only thing more difficult about direct radio voice is it's more of a dis- uh, discipline and it's more of a grind because we would sit through sessions of listening to white noise for like an hour and a half. And then Jeez. when you review it, you have to listen to that again. <laughs> and that's what I mean when it's when it's hard to hear, though. Right. Because it's, you know, when you're going through the sweeping box and you're hearing bleh, 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 whatever, it's it's easier for someone to do pareidolia and kind of like make up a story or whatever. Sure. And it's, it's harder for a human being to sit down 
and just listen to and not get bored and get up and do something else. Yeah. But you got to sit there and actually listen to it and put the time and the work because when you do, when you hear that full blown sentence, you're like, whoa, (laughs) what? Uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give you a, since this is, this is an audio podcast I'll give you a real time uh, demonstration difference cool. okay. so here's here's a, this is a spirit box SB7 I have other boxes that are I think superior that are made by ghost box builders Stephen okay. K. Holte, Austin Maynard Jay Prather just to name a few so this is a spirit box I'm going to get a little louder this is the SB7 that everybody knows from Ghost Adventures mm-hmm that's it. Now, it's, it's, if you hear something come through vocally and it's timing and relevance, like I said, it answers your question. That's not radio broadcast answering your question. And if it is, you need to buy lottery tickets and ask them when they're giving away cash because <laughs> your luck is unbelievable. So that's the, that's the spirit box. You hear... Can you see her name? Say I Megan? Think... Me- Can you see her last name? There it is, man. Hold on, let me put it off for a second. All right, so that's... <laughs> I, I would have lost my you, mind. You, you, I well, turn it on and it's like automatic investigation mode. I was so excited. Yeah, you might no, still, I was so excited. Now, this is what we listen to when we do direct radio voice. We use a long wave AM frequency because nobody's broadcasting on it. So this is this is what we listen to when we use for direct radio voice. This is 222 kilohertz on the long wave. That's it. Wow. And, and what we've done technologically now to advance it a little bit or try experimenting with it is we run it through. Here, let me have it. Oh, it's good. We run it through a studio software, a VST, a virtual studio, and then we use an AI component, which is an artificial intelligence which pulls words from the background noise. And so you couldn't use a spirit box through that because it has vocal tones in it. So you don't want to put something into a process that you're trying to filter out of a process because it's not supposed to be there. So putting it in wouldn't make any sense. So we would just listen to that. So it's more of a discipline. It's more of a grind. It's not instant gratification. But when something answers you directly, like we were a couple months back, we were leaving this room. We, we would let the radio run for 15, 20 minutes like the guy in Italy, Marcello Bacci, did to establish what's called a connection bridge to spirit. We would go get drinks or whatever. We're going to come back and sit down. But we let it run 15, 20 minutes. While it's running, we get up to walk out of the room. As we get to the door to the kitchen, a voice came out of the radio clear as day and he went, you're leaving? And we just stopped. We both were like, yeah. <laughs> 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 so there's no there's it's very hard for someone who's a doubter or cynic to say that that's pareidolia that you're tricking yourself sure. because there's no broadcast there's no vocals whatsoever for one it's in, not sweeping in defense of even the ghost box or spirit boxes that are sweeping not only is timing and relevance rule out that it's some kind of radio broadcast but you never really hear music coming through nobody sings your responses most of the time right yeah so that's that's one thing it's sweeping very quickly, so you're not getting the same channel. So if a voice comes through over the noise in the same tone, that really should not happen. And if you do get music and all of that, it's because you're sweeping it too slow. Just saying. You got to sweep it a little faster. Just saying. 
When the sports world was introduced to two new team names within a week, comedian Dave Primiano told his friend and fellow comedian Dan Getz, we should do a limited series podcast where we rank all the team names in sports. And they did just that. And after they were done, they decided, hey, let's just keep ranking stuff. Thus was born the Rank Bank, where each week they are joined by a panel of experts, aka fellow comedians, to rank all things ranging from the unimportant to the really unimportant. New episodes drop on Mondays and sometimes Tuesday if it's a two-parter. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore rank underscore bank. I find all this like so incredible. This is so cool. I have a million questions. My first is, do you have like tons of research of examples of like evps and you know really like rational answers from from all these investigations once a week i i just imagine you have like such a like treasure trove of like cool stuff we have a lot of stuff i mean what goes with the process is we probably have more hours of recordings with just noise and nothing sure Um, (laughs) but that's that's fair but that's part of the game too, though. Like I always yeah. speak to them. people go, well, if this ghost communication stuff is real and you should be able to just turn it on and, and there they are. I went, no, dumbass, this is not Verizon. You can't just. Right. <laughs> and to be fair, yeah. even that, right? Even that, if you, your cell phone, right? It's, it's an electronic device. Yeah. Uses electromagnetic energy to communicate with beings that are not in your physical space. Sound familiar? Right. right. So people will say that in order to prove this stuff scientifically you have to do it three times in a row under the same conditions you have to do it in three Mm -hmm. but to me that is similar to where einstein said if you judge a fish by its ability to climb it'll go its whole life thinking it's a fool it's not a fair measure for what you're trying to do if you take the cell phone right that i pay for every month if i call my father 10 times today and he picks it up once by that standard, right. I have failed 90% and I haven't done it three times in a row. So by that judgment, my father doesn't exist. <laughs> I've never thought about the fact that ghosts could be just putting us on do not disturb. They're like, no, I'm not Seriously, answering. Right? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but that's a huge part of it. Nobody yeah. thinks we, we're so yeah. we're so centered around our side of the equation. Physical? We think we have more control than we do. We yeah. think that they're just trained monkeys that are there when we need them. Sometimes you call somebody on a phone, right? And they're in a bad signal area. So they want to talk to you, but they can't. Sometimes right. somebody calls you on the phone and you go, oh, I can't talk to them now. And you don't pick it up. So right. what's built into this process that people who are cynical about it don't ever speak to or consider is free will. Yeah. If you're trying to communicate, there's a perceived intelligence, right? You don't talk to your couch and expect responses. Right. So if you're talking to spirit and you're looking for answers, inherent in that process is free will. And intelligence, right? And when you have those things, then you have the possibility of maybe one time they can't come through. Maybe they don't want to come through. We don't have control over that part of it. So we don't know. So to say that you didn't connect 100% of the time so it doesn't work or it's not real, that's not true. And then the people who say that the ghost boxes are tricking you because you're hearing what you want to hear, they don't ever explain the physiological or the biological gaps, right? If if Mm -hmm. my brain and my ear is tricking me, if I ask 100 questions and I get answers directly that I hear what I want to hear five times, which is a, a realistic number, what happened biologically and physiologically the other 95 times that I didn't trick myself? Why did it happen on those questions only? So really, 
you're not tricking yourself. That you they can happen. We've seen right. movements. We've seen right. We've seen movements before that on a recording sound like a vocal. Yes. But there's ways you can you can check your work. If you have video running, you can see somebody move. That's what created the sound. Mm -hmm. You can do a voice print. You can speak into audio software and then look at the spectrograph. And if you say what you think you heard and the visual spectrograph image matches, that is what you heard. Wow. So people, that's a good point that you brought it up. When you're doing an EVP session, it's not only important to not whisper, but you really can't move. A shuffle of your feet will sound like an EVP. Of this, like scratching of your your hand, uh, your arm or whatever, all that sounds like EVPs. So it's it very can. important. It can, it can. So it's very important not to do those things when you're doing EVP. Just putting it out there because you was mentioning EVPs, but so in yeah. some ways, EVPs are a little bit more finicky than a spirit box because it picks up all that. I would say yes, in 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 a sense, but then. Paradolia does exist if you're, you know, looking for, if you're looking for a certain answer, you got to discernment, which is what Ron always says all the time. You got to, it's a training of the ear. It really yeah. is. It yeah. really, really is. That's a good point too. <laughs> that, that's another under undervalued part of it. And people who don't know this stuff or if they're cynical of it, they'll think that that's like a cop out. When people who do this go, you train your ear to listen to it or, or to listen to the, either the, the sweeping radio or through the white noise or even just EVP. But it's actually true. Even physiologically, we have consciously what's called inborn pattern recognition, right? And it happens mm-hmm. visually and it happens audibly. If you, if you got in a helicopter and you flew over an open field, right? The first time you go over it, you don't recognize anything. It's just a bunch of vastness. The second time, you start picking out reference points. You see things. The third, fourth time, you start having a frame of reference and things start coming together. So we, we aggregate information that way, both audibly and visually. So you do learn to listen for these things. And that's one of the things we love about direct radio voices. It's easy to pick out speech cadence when you listen to just that static. And then when you ask a question, all of a sudden it sounds like somebody's talking through the static. Even if you can't understand what it is, it wasn't there before until yeah. you ask something. And so that there's something there's something to be said for that. So I might be getting ahead of myself. And it's because for me, all of this is just like the connection. Like, I, you know, I'm not super research heavy, but the idea of a connection with something that we're not like the unknown is so cool to me. And. I'm just wondering, again, because you've done this so many times, do you have certain spirits that you know, like that you're familiar with now, like, like return visitors, I guess, you know, where you're like, oh, it's this guy again. Like, maybe you don't know their name. You can say no, because I definitely am going, I'm skipping a bunch of steps right now. You're just collecting. Uh, names, but. I can't think of, I can't think of necessarily if I remember if she may remember if we have something like that happen, but I do know people. Um, like our friends Tony and Sri Rathman, we co-host our show with. They do have a spirit named Michael that they they communicated with at uh, the old Phelps Dodge Hospital they used to run um, for a while events at, and then they went to the Philippines and he came through there. It was the same Whoa. voice. That's so really cool. It, it, we do know people who have who have that kind of thing happen. Do we have any of that that we remember or no? We've had voices that sound similar, but I don't think yeah. we've ever really. It's hard to say if that person 
it's the same person or not because a lot of people right. sound similar mm. right mm -hmm. so we don't have something like that now and my, and my belief though is that I, my grandmother is protecting me and stuff like that yeah so she's my guardian angel my protector ron has people that protect him and stuff like that but i don't think we've had anyone that's identify themselves as no it, but it's it's i can't think of i think you nailed it as close as we get to it but it's definitely a possibility i mean there are people who have captured spirit vocals that match voice prints which of is course, like a fingerprint yeah. of the person when they were alive yeah that, that's that's really that. yeah that's very interesting mm -hmm. when that when that happens i'm not um, saying that that doesn't happen i'm just saying for us, right. us. yeah yeah no i go i understand yeah yeah, yeah. It's hard to, I mean, I can, I guess with going with the phone metaphor, like you don't have like that caller ID or anything. So like, even if I was answering my phone and I wasn't told who it, I would never know, like my mom and my sister sound very similar to me, honestly. So I completely understand. I was yeah, just getting excited. Have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, we still don't. And if we do, we, we don't know who it is yet, I right. guess. Because yeah. we do get really good responses. So maybe we do have someone and maybe they haven't identified themselves yet. Sure. We haven't heard it. Or maybe they have and we haven't reviewed it yet sure. in the recordings. Like, who knows? I don't know. Here's an interesting spin on it, too, because we don't know 100% who or what we're communicating with. We don't know if it's interdimensional, ethereal, astral, spirit, whatever. I mean, it's so many different things, right? Extraterrestrial yeah. people wonder. We don't know. But one of the broad beliefs that... that covers a lot of that is consciousness that we're communicating with consciousness that universally there's a like the force in star wars that this is their energy field that, that is all encompassing everything um dr rupert sheldrake who was part of the spr the society of psychical research in, in in the uk is a biologist he called it morphogenic fields so one researcher we know uh, he's an itc uh, brilliant guy tim woolworth uh, he had done ghost box recording sessions and he got vocals that he recognized as a friend of his. So he was a little bit blown away. And so to cut the story down, he basically reached out because of the person that he got the voice from. And then he later matched it in software wasn't dead. But at the time he got the communication, they were sleeping. Whoa. So we don't Pretty know cool. if when you get a vocal, it could be somebody down the street who's taking a nap. It could be your aunt who died two years ago. You never know. It you could don't be know. interdimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean that something's not there, right? Radio signals are flying past your head now. You can't see them. You get a device that modulates the sound down to where your ear can pick it up. Boom. Now it's in your house. But it was there all along. You just couldn't see it or you couldn't hear it. And, and a lot of the science behind this stuff speaks to this too. Even uh, electricity. Uh, magnetism, they don't have visual properties. There's no visual properties right. to those things, you know? So it's it's fascinating if you take the concept of, of consciousness, a lot of times we'll ask questions and then we'll get an answer before we finish the question or immediately after we finish it on the recording. That's really very difficult when you're talking about a mechanical wave that comes out of your, your mouth that can only propagate so far until its cohesiveness is, is kind of just thinned out by the air and then all of a sudden it just becomes leveled out and it's done it doesn't keep going yeah. so if something's not in the physical environment close enough to hear us talk how is what we're saying 
getting to them, I found equally intriguing, if not more so, than how we're hearing them. We go, oh, we just turn this little device on and it sweeps or not, whatever, and then we hear them talk to us. So it's this thing. They're coming through this thing. That's fantastic. When we talk and we do direct radio voice, we don't have a microphone. We're not broadcasting. People go, well, maybe it's a CB or a ham radio or a baby monitor. How? I'm not broadcasting. I'm, I'm listening to a station on the long wave radio. There's nobody domestically on it. Flat out. How are they hearing me talk? I have no idea. That's amazing. Yeah. That's he, oh. <laughs> you're dropping too many, th- like, because you're talking about dream, like people being able to talk in their dreams over stuff like this. And then also. Astral projection could be an explanation. <laughs> yeah, astral, pro- yeah. astral projection. Yeah. Uh, I, there's so many rules about, you know, the afterlife and spirits that I just, I just want to know, you know, like, it's just so, even just the fact, like, sometimes people think that ghosts attach. So like, if you, if someone's murdered on a, or dies on an airplane, they believe that pieces of that airplane take that spirit with them. Even that is just a rule we made up. And ever since I found that out, I was like, oh my, cause you know, that could just not be, you know, there could be just some other person haunting this piece of airplane. It could not be that, per- you know, so it's just That's like, a possibility, but, but energy yeah. can, energy can get, it can get trapped or, or, or held somewhere. Right. Even if, if you look at like, here's the thing. So we, we are as, as some investigators who aren't even equipment heavy would say, we are a tool ourselves, right? We have sure. sensory ways of picking things up which is how we get our communication, right? Whether it's, you know, through touch or sound or whatever. But if you think of it from what's, what's called like a, a biocentric point of view, right? So the, the energy can, can get held somewhere, right? Computer chips have silicas and stuff in it that, that, they, sure. that they hold energy in. So that's one way. It's called stone tape theory where energy can get trapped in something and then something is the proverbial play button, releases it, and then... Just like a VHS videotape yes and that's yeah. the other thing too is that everything from a consciousness and what's called biocentrism with a guy named dr robert lanza who's got a few books out on it it says that all these things out there are, are all data it's all information right so you right. buy a cd or a dvd that's not moving pictures and sounds and stuff it's just data when you put it into a device which in this paranormal supernatural realm the device is us something that processes that, then you get two-dimensional sound and pictures or you get multi-dimensional audio or whatever, but that's where that comes from, where it gets processed at some point of receiving it. The whole, uh, if a tree falls in the woods thing, right? Technically, from that perspective, it doesn't does not make a noise because without a, a microphone or an ear, let's say that's a sure. receptor, it's just a disturbance in the air that doesn't register on anything. Mm-hmm. But does a tree hear it? Sorry. Because they say that plants can hear us when we talk to them. Yeah, well, all the saying. other trees. Well, <laughs> well if that, I mean, if you could, if you could show that, then technically yes, because it's a it's a biocentric perspective, and that is a biological living thing. <laughs> so, if the disturbance registers on the tree, who's to say that other trees don't hear it too? Yeah, or or sense it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, the so. deer passing by, but just saying. <laughs> well, that, the deer is a living creature, bio, life, yeah. centric, the center of, has a receptor. Yes. 
a well, that makes me happy. I'm glad someone will hear the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> makes me feel better for the tree. Yeah. <laughs> someone will hear that tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or so- <laughs> not. <laughs> An insect, a worm. Yeah, something. Something will hear that tree. We probably have about like 10-ish minutes and I want you to talk about your book. I know a lot of the topics we've covered today are included in your book, but you mentioned the name of the book it's coming out this this year is Paranormally Speaking, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown, uh, which is so exciting. Congrats, you guys. That's really cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the book and also who who you wrote it for? Like, it, like of my listeners, who do you think, is it for everybody? Like, even if this is their first paranormal thing they've ever listened to, or is it for more experience, like ghost investigators? What do you think? I think it's, I think it's for anybody who's interested in this stuff. A lot of what I talked about tonight, especially if it was stuff that was very specific to communication or technical um, or even some kind of a scientific spin that kind of stuff is actually, I'm, I'm almost finished. I'm doing a second book already now, which gets more into the methodologies and the philosophies of those kinds of things. The first book, the Paranormally Speaking, Knowingly Talking to the Unknown, that one has to do with a little bit of my path getting into this stuff, how I, you know, I always had a curiosity and a fascination cool. and how okay. I ended up doing it. And then it, it also speaks to some other things that I, I felt at the time I was writing it were not addressed necessarily as much but had relevance to anybody who does this stuff. It speaks to the difference between the cynic or the skeptic and the believer thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a quote in there I love that Freud used to say that that if one considers oneself a skeptic, it would be wise from time to time to be skeptical of one's skepticism. <laughs> in other words, Freud's saying, check yourself, yo. Yeah, That's yeah. what he's saying. Um, <laughs> So I I bring up stuff like that. I talk about what I call parasocial behavior in social media because we were not only at a time where this stuff is more open and more accepted than it used to be when it was taboo, but now we have these media outlets where you can post your pictures and share your stuff. And then some people are going, oh, that's crap. You faked it. Here's how you did it, whatever. And and there's a lot of sour grapes. Somebody gets on a show and someone else sees it who's been dying to be on a show. Now they're bashing them. They didn't deserve it. They got it because they were so it's I speak a little bit to code of conduct socially, where the, I think this is a realm that when a lot of paranormal stuff was written before, didn't really have a place because it, we didn't have the mass media outlet that we have now through all the different platforms. Um, I, I speak about interacting with, with teams, being part of teams as those are relationships, you know, even even if they are, you know, very platonic, but they are also at the same time, you're in bed, you know, figuratively with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Just like a work situation when sometimes you get along and gel with people, sometimes you don't. So I speak to stuff like that. And then I get into how I got into the radio stuff and then the ITC stuff. And then I speak to some of that specifically. And the last chapter, what I wanted to do was I wanted to also not just walk the walk, but I wanted to, to walk it and talk it with what I always try to put out there is in every time we do shows is it's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's it, it's a community. So if you don't like working with people or how they do stuff, don't you don't have to interact with them. You don't have to endorse them. You can be separated from sure. them. But if you bash people openly, which is part of the social media aspect of it thing, right? You're peeing in the community pool that you're swimming in. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah. For I don't one. mean to smile. I'm smiling like a weirdo. It's just because this feels a lot like the comedy scenes <laughs> that yeah. I interact well, with. It's it a is. very similar vibe. So I'm like, oh, yeah. It's so funny because I was kind (laughs) of nervous because I'm like, wait a minute. 
I'm gonna be in a podcast with two comedians. <laughs> I was like, Wait yeah. up here. <laughs> yeah, we didn't bring that up before, but I did stand up for for maybe a decade earlier. I mean, not to date myself because, uh, but I, I opened up for, at Pips in Brooklyn. I opened up for Ray Romano right before he had a show. Oh, that's awesome. I was like the bottom level opening act guy. Um, I, I worked with Kevin James. Um, I opened for a, a few people like that before. Um, it's fascinating. Stand-up comedy and that whole thing is an asset to anything I ever do in any yeah. industry, anywhere. The interaction, right. the, the personal skills, the use of humor with, with, with effectiveness, priceless. Priceless to, to have. And, and socially, it does apply to the comedy field mm-hmm. the same way. What you're saying is, is because you have to have a standard and a code of conduct that you hold yourself to. Even if other people are schmucks, you don't have to be one. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I did was the last chapter of the book. I have, I don't remember, it's 15 people maybe who are ITC practitioners. A lot of them, most of them are, are, are ghost box builders. And I have them giving advice to people who want to do that kind of work. What do you suggest? What should they focus on? Maybe one or two things. I got a, an ITC legend who did direct radio voice stuff, got insane things, telephone evidence, everything named Mark Macy. Uh, he wrote a little thing he contributed to the book too. And Al Girl. Oh, so she did the about the author. She didn't give any advice. I mentioned her before, Dr. Annabelle oh, Cordoso. Yeah, who, yeah. Whose books got me into <laughs> Sorry. it. Sorry. But I wanted to share a piece of my book and my spotlight or whatever I get out of it with the community who also do what I do. Because it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. So now all these people have contributed uh, to the book. And, and I, in my opinion, their, their presence, you know, with some kind of, of literary contribution makes it better. I think it yeah. makes it better. I don't have all the answers. I have some good perspectives and I've gotten some of them from them. They've maybe learned stuff from me. That's, that's, that's how it works. We're already in an uphill battle with, with the whole paranormal field. So, you know, if, if we collectively try to move forward, we have a better chance. That's how it works and that's how it flows. Yeah, you, you know shouldn't be tearing, yeah, tearing each other down because right. there's already so many, like you said, skeptics doing that for us. So. That's right. really yeah, and that's not, that sounds like such a, a big wealth of knowledge, especially because you've asked so many different, like highly experienced people to to give advice. So yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in reading it, especially because, like I said, I'm thinking about maybe stepping into. I don't know. I I'm happy with my role right now as like a paranormal podcast person, but it just feels I can just feel it pulling me in. You know, come so. with us. <laughs> come. <laughs> It's only Your first a investigation. You shall come with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We do do places that are not far from where you are. Yeah, if you're ever near Philly. Yeah, yeah. Selma Mansion in, in Norristown. We do. We do Haldeman Mansion in Bainbridge, which is not too far. A little bit further. We did stuff in New York before. Um, we do a lot of stuff. Even White Hill Mansion in South Jersey is not far from Philly. Yeah, oh, not far at all. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. That would be really exciting, actually. That first one. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say uh, the book name one more time. It's Paranormally Speaking: Knowingly Talking to the Unknown. Uh, so, ev- listeners, definitely check that out. And then, also, do you got? Do you want to plug your show? Because you also have your own show for evidence as well. Yes, we'd appreciate it. Entity that. Voices, Paranormal Evidence, and what's the network? So, uh, <laughs> so I mentioned, yeah, so we're on, right, right. we're on Monday nights. We're on Monday nights. If you look for Entity Voices, Paranormal Evidence on Monday nights at 9 Eastern, we're live. It's video uh, and audio, and we have people from all over who do what we do, showcase some of their best evidence, and tell you how, where, and when they captured it, etc. 
it's it's fascinating because not only do you try not to have the perspective of I'm the one doing this stuff and I'm getting great stuff and never mind everybody else. So you don't want to have that mindset, but you really get to experience it when you do the show because we get to work with two other fantastic couples, Chris Allgood and Audrey Keeler in North Carolina, Tony and Sheree Rathman in Arizona. And we have guests that they book, that we book, people we know that, that they don't know and vice versa. And we get to see different people presenting photos and videos and recordings and and, and it's fascinating. And some of the stuff that people get is incredible and so every week on monday nights we get to do that so we are um i mentioned before i don't know but i guess we can say it because it's happening we're going to be changing the network we're on but you'll still find the show on facebook or youtube if you looked under entity voices paranormal evidence but we're we've been on kgradb for about a year or so before that we weren't on a network at all we were doing it ourselves and then now what is the network unx unix yes UNX, um, so they have a lot of really uh, great shows. Alan B. Smith, they have they have Jimmy Church, they have some good people, and it's SKGRA. Um, they both they're both good networks. We just you know when you do a show, we, we talked about this before. Wherever you get the most comfort and the best deal, and I'm not talking money, um, just overall the best arrangement, time slot, how much time you get, etc. You know support, and so we collectively as a group decided to. To make the move, so I think the was the fourteenth. I don't know. We have two more shows on Monday nights on KGRA, and then. Oh yeah, two weeks notice. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll be on a different platform. What I really love about our show is just that that it's fascinating to see other people's evidence and to realize that this is happening. Yeah, it's happening. We're yeah. not the only ones getting it. Uh, the other two couples that's on our show, that's the host, they're not the only ones getting it. There's many people getting these responses. This is happening. So when these people come in and show their evidence, that's showing people this is real. This is no. This is yeah. not a joke. It's really happening. She brings up a great, you know? a great point with that because even amongst the people who who doubt or don't doubt the stuff, right? You can't be a skeptic or a cynic of something that doesn't happen. So the fact that this stuff, as she just said it, it's happening, that's a fact. Now, yeah. is every instance paranormal? No. But you investigate to find out and you try to do that by circumventing any biases you might have or any hopes you, you know, you hope it is or you hope it isn't. Right. But right. it's absolutely is happening. And that's, that's where you try to find out in each individual instance. There's no one blanket statement that's going to prove or disprove all of it. People need to know and people need to realize that they shouldn't be afraid to express yeah. when something like paranormal happens because it happens. It's actually normal. It's just people don't realize that yet. Yeah. Here's, <laughs> they don't realize it yet. Here's a, tw so, here's a twist on, on, a, on a, a framework of, of mine. People will say, you know, oh, when, you know, eventually if science will, will prove this is all not true or maybe one day science will, will show that it is true and so I always say, for one, don't refer to science like it's one guy or right, one lady, yeah. right? Science is a lot of people. You don't think sex ed is one guy in school getting a lot of action, do you? No. Right. <laughs> it's a subject matter. So science is not one person. But if you look at in science how they approach this stuff, you have theory and you have anecdotes, right? And then those things can change very fluid like, like definitions can. But if you look at paranormal investigators and researchers all over, 
different teams, different types of people, different backgrounds. The characteristics of the evidence, the EVPs, the radio communications, the photos, the shadow figures, the characteristics across all those different types of people and places is synonymous. The characteristics are identical. When you have consistency of data, you have reliability in data. So in my opinion, science or the people who are using science against this stuff or to prove this stuff are lagging behind the people who are living this stuff doing this all the time i also want to say i mean scientifically yeah your your show is amazing but it's also just really fun to watch like it kind of reminded me of sports centers like top 10 catches or top 10 plays (laughs) of the week sort of where it's like all right bring up the next clip and every single one that i watched was just absolutely astounding like surprising almost scary for me (laughs) so okay (laughs) which show did you watch which show did you watch it was around the holidays it was um i I think you had emailed me ron that it was happening i think it was like right after christmas and there was just some like deep voice thing evp that you guys had that i was like okay i'm gonna need to take a second (laughs) like process what i just heard and then we'll come back to that never goes away yeah, that's one thing yeah. that I always appreciate when Ron says integrity is very important. Right. You know, I'm glad that you took it, you watched it, and you took it to what it really is. Like some people, like I guess skeptics, if you want to say skeptics, right. like they want to say that that's that 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 didn't happen or whatever. This that whatever. But I know, I know mm-hmm. me. It did happen. So, and I know who I am. And I guess maybe, I don't know what's my point of saying this, but. Integrity. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But my point is that. It's fascinating to know the type of person that you are. Right. And to have this evidence. Right. I mean, you have this evidence and you know, in your heart. This is pure. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, this is real. And maybe a lot of people don't know that. You know what I mean? But I know this happened. This actually happened. She's she's speaking to the sobering effect that when you get something anomalous, that you absolutely, through your best efforts or other people's efforts collectively with yours, cannot explain in some real time materialistic world you can't you can't explain it that's what hooked me my first cvp i was like no way there's no way i know it's me and ron and i know ron is very into this and i know i didn't talk (laughs) so how where how is that voice there how Mm -hmm. how it's it's always been very fascinating to me. That's why I do the direct radio voice with Ron when he introduced it to me. It's just, it's an amazing thing to have happened to you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just I completely crazy. understand what you're trying to say. And I, it happened, I, I was talking again with Ryan Singer about this, where I feel like I'm having the same experience just through doing this podcast, because the people that I have on a hundred and 50% believe their story. They're not fabricating anything. They're saying people think I'm crazy for this. They're saying people are making excuses, but I know what I experienced. And just having me as the creator of this podcast, knowing that these people 
are all in. They're not just like trying to like fluff up the story to be on a podcast or something. It has been very like, you know, kind of well, life changing. Kind of traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of traumatic. It's yeah. profound. Yes. yes. The, the experiences yeah. <laughs> are the experience are, are profound. Yeah. Some people have to have their own to have a, 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 a connection to the reality of that these things happen. <clears throat> but that's what people, when people say, oh, you don't believe in that stuff. I always say it's not a belief system for me. Mm-hmm. It's empirical experience. Right. I have thoughts and opinions and theories of what I think or believe to be the case in individual instances or maybe overall in certain circumstances. And they're based on my experiences my research and what I read and what I experiment with and that of people who I respect their integrity and their work also. That's what my thoughts are based on. I don't know 100%. I don't have all the answers. But when somebody who's done none of it goes, I don't believe in that stuff, you can't speak to it if you haven't tried it, if you haven't Fair, experienced yeah. it. And, and more than once, you can't turn on something and go, all right, well, Aunt Edna didn't come through, so that's crap. You can't do that. Right. Yeah. Nothing works that way, too. And, and there is there is something to be said for having experience. If I spoke on the plight of an Asian woman growing up in the United States, you would go, well, you're not Asian. You're not a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and you, 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 haven't, you haven't even been around yeah. for as many years. As, I mean, so you can't. I don't have the experience to speak to that. Right. So you have to have some kind of experience to talk to it to a degree of some kind of certainty, even if it's just your thoughts and opinions. And there's a lot of people with little to no experience who are so sure that this yeah. is happening or this can't happen. And I'm like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have their moment. I like to think everyone has their moment, right. hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic. I I really enjoy I'm literally just going to be thinking about all this stuff for the rest of the night. So thank you guys again so much for being on the podcast. I had a great time personally. Uh, you've been awesome to deal with. I appreciate you having us on too. We love any opportunity. We thank you. We yeah, can talk about this stuff. We're passionate about it. As you can tell, we're excited about it. And when we, from direct radio voice to some of the philosophies and stuff that we shared, we have even a little bit of a unique take for people who do this. Um, yeah. Just for- for the path we came up on and we look at all aspects of it too. We're not just talking about tech and radios where it's philosophy, uh, consciousness study, cognitive biases, biocentrism. So I, I look at every, every aspect, every avenue of it because all that there's so many things we don't know that if you can explain or understand something more, why well, I studied sound, I've, I've studied, and I'm not saying I have degrees in these things, but I've, I've done a lot of reading and research, physics, quantum physics, just to, to understand how things work. And right. so I'm more educated than I've ever been, and I'll be more so tomorrow and the day after that. <laughs> right. <But> yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have all the answers. We're all, you said it best earlier, right? You're just, you're curious. You want to know. You kind of want to understand that stuff. You kind of want to know. That's who we all are. We are, as a species collectively, whether you believe in this stuff or not, we are homo bewilderous. We yes. want to know. <laughs> we sure. want answers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thank you for having us and letting us absolutely. talk thank about you. so much. The thank stuff you. that we listen to static. Yeah. That's, that's the short version of the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you for letting us express that we listen to static. Don't be jealous that we listen to static for hours of static. Don't be jealous that we listen to static for hours. I actually am a little bit, so I'll have to. I can help you listen to static. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ask your doctor if static is right for you. Yeah. <laughs> and what are the side effects? Uh, static. <laughs> and more static. And runny nose. Runny nose. A little orientation, but uh, disorientation. Yeah, disorientation, that orientation. <laughs> it's all orientated. It's all orientated. The point is, we listen to static. There you go, comedian. <laughs> So we're on to what I think might be the most exciting part, which is listening to the EVPs from our session. Yay! So for this first one, Ron and Lourdes were asking Spirit to either say my name or the name of the podcast. They ask a few times, we don't really get anything. But then all of a sudden in this clip, it sounds like you can hear a woman say, real chills. Did it say it? Yeah. That girl's voice? Yes, I heard a female voice very low say, real chills. Just one more time on that one part. And again, just slow down a little bit. It's quick, but you can totally hear it. Now for the second one, we're still asking Spirit to say my name, and I think we get it. What is our host's name? Please. <gasps> Did that just say it? Yes! It was very low, honey. Okay. Because you know how I am. Yep. And again, just a little bit slowed down. It said my name. So spooky. So in this next clip, Ron is jokingly asking the spirits if they can say their favorite curse word, not really expecting an answer for this one. Uh, but I think we actually got something here. Can you tell us your favorite curse word? How about that? And again, but slowed down. Not a bad choice of a favorite curse word, if you ask me. So those were the few I really, really enjoyed, but we did get a couple more. I do want to make them available to you, so more on that in the future. But other than that, I hope you thought that was as cool as I did, because I had so much fun. Thanks so much for listening. Visit our website at realchillspodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at realchillspodcast. Do you know someone who should be on Real Chills? Is that person you? Go to realchillspodcast.com slash submit and tell us more. Special thanks to Valerie Jamea-Rubin-Shane. Artwork by Libby Rindell. Music by Sam Williamson. Real Chills Podcast is produced by Meg Getz and Alyssa Traskowski. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.